Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Keys 107, opening the doors to endless possibilities in the pursuit of love, peace, and happiness with your host, Rafika and Brother James. again it's that time when we get our pens and our papers and we put on our thinking caps and we just get ready to think finances think changing our life think about how we are structuring the plan to improve our life we got one of the best topics that resonates with so many people. I've been getting a lot of text messages. I've been even getting phone calls saying, this show is for me. You must have read my mind. <laughs> We're just waiting for my co-host, our Brother James, to check in right now. I think he's having a little technical difficulty, but it's okay because we're here. You're here. Our financial advisor and business consultant, Haru Niket is here. He's in the queue. He's on standby. Before we get started, we have to check in with Medea Allen and see what she's got to say. The healthy tip of the day is up next. Call in, 213-943-3618. Now, I know you've got some questions about how to get started with a home-based business. Is this the best time to start a home-based business? How do I choose what is the best type? of home-based business. And because I know you've been getting hit up on Facebook about those multi-leveling, multi-level marketing. Is multi-level marketing right for you? What is an independent contractor? Or what is independent contracting? We got a lot to cover today. Get your pen and your paper. I am Rafika, your co-host, my co-host, Brother James, will be in the house very soon. Haruna Ket is here. The fluffs present the alphabet. All of the fluffs are here. Mama Poppy, this is for you. The Keys 107 and com present the healthy tip of the day. The healthy tip of the day is to express yourself. Keeping thoughts, emotions, and ideas bottled up inside can take a lot of energy and may cause you unnecessary stress. Choose a healthy way to release, like dancing, laughing, writing in a journal, or talking it out with a close friend. Regularly expressing yourself in these ways may help to keep your mind clear, your energy centers free-flowing, and may also increase overall happiness. Today's healthy tip of the day has been brought to you by Organic Soul Chef Medea Allen. And for more wholesome living and eating tips, visit OrganicSoulChef.com. Now, 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 back to the keys. 107 with your host, Rafika and Brother Jay. 
Amazon.com and on Kindle. So get your copy today. For more information, visit them online www.thefluffamily.com. Now, 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 back to the keys. 107 with your host, Rafika and Brother Jay. So we've taken care of some very important business and just want to let all of our listeners know, those of you who are tuned in via the Internet and you want to call in, the number is 213-943-3618, 213-943-3618. Those of you who just want to put a message in the chat room, the chat room is open in Blog Talk Radio and it's open in Facebook. We're also on Twitter. So you can send your questions a number of ways. Without further delay, let's bring in the one, the only, Haru Niket. Welcome, Haru, to the Keys 107. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm happy to be here again. Oh, yeah, because last year, we, I mean, last month, we didn't even get a chance to, to broadcast. Yeah, so we had a little time off, but um, I think this is the show, this is the right show to come back with, because um, as you say, so many people are... Uh, are interested in this topic, and I'm excited to really get rolling and share some really um, unusual, I think, advice for people in terms of home-based business. Okay. Well, Brother James is here. So, Brother James, check in. Your mic is live. Yes. Greetings, everyone. This is Brother James, and I'm glad we're back on the Keys 107 with our brother, Haru. Uh, Haru, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing fantastic. And yourself? Very good, very good, very good. Very much in anticipating another one of these high-wired shows where we get so much information. We run out the door trying to get it done. So thank you again for coming on board. And um, um, I was having a little bit of technical difficulty, but we seemed to um, somehow get around that. So I'm good. I'm ready to start the show here. All right. So Haru, let's go right into it. Um, you want you you. I know that you like to talk about trends, um, and and Always. you like to start off with talking about trends, and it's important. Always, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, one of the things I've been following this uh, presidential election process, and you know, we're seeing this, you know, huge revolution really in terms of um, the way voters are, are speaking out and what they're talking about. And one of the major things they're talking about is the economy and their inability to navigate this new economy. And so we find that although we, during the recovery, a small segment of the population has done well, the average person can't make ends meet. And so, you know, the high cost of, of living in terms of shelter, food, clothing, fuel, you know, in all these areas, people's salaries just aren't cutting it anymore. And then when you couple that with an aging population who um, – has really been aged out of the, the regular workforce. And then you have this other group, this other of young people who have just graduated college who are finding it difficult to find adequate employment. We're seeing this huge trend in self-employment. Um, and so hmm. when we look at the amount of, of, when we talk about small business without employees, meaning self-employed, there are 22,735,915 small businesses without employees in America. 
And, wow. uh, and yeah, in fact, every minute a new business in the United States is started. And the estimate is that by 2020, 50% of all workers in the United States will be self-employed. And so even when we look now, more than half of those small businesses, those self-employed people, are doing it from their home. And so when we think of a home-based business, we have to think beyond what we thought about maybe even five, ten years ago, you know, um, just having a little side hustle. This is going to be people's almost primary means of, of living. And so there's this huge trend towards that. Um, and as businesses begin to scale down in terms of, of regular employees, you're going, to ha- you're going to see an increase in that um, over the next few decades. Hmm. Well, we think um, here, being that we are a technologically driven family here, we think some of that trend may be due to technology. Has the idea or the the, um, processes and procedures of running a home-based business changed due to technology, the convenience of the Internet? Absolutely. I think, you know, not only has it made it more convenient, it's made it much more affordable. Um, when you look at the cost now of creating a product, a product of delivery, of marketing, of uh, market research, um, you know, the, the numbers are, are so much lower now in terms of affordability and barriers to entry. And so now you also have user-friendly technology where even when the Internet first came out or computers first came out, it was so difficult for most people to catch on. Um, now you have software and apps that are so easy for everybody to use it's definitely made it a lot easier for people. So now you have access to a, a global marketplace. You have access to global resources. You have access to global financing. And you have access to human resources from the entire globe. And so, you know, it makes it so much easier. This is probably the best time in world history to start a home-based business. Um, it's the easiest. It's the, yeah, it's the least expensive um, you know, and you have access to, to more now. So the opportunity to make more money exists, and, and that's a wonderful thing because you can do it on your time. You know, you're not, uh, you know, you're not stuck working on somebody else's schedule. You're not stuck uh, getting a, a, the same pay every two weeks. You're not stuck with the same tax structure. You're not stuck with all these things. And so it gives you um, flexibility. It, it gives you uh, unlimited opportunity, you know, so today, for sure, if if you were ever considering starting a home-based business, now would be the time. Mm. Wow. Wow. Now, you, you know, today we all are looking at this uh, from the perspective that now is the time. What kind of businesses are best suited in terms of doing from home, or what kind of home-based business do you suggest that we should look into? Now, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you asked that question, but you might not be happy with the way I answer the question because mm-hmm. I might answer your question with a series of questions. Yes, sir. <laughs> you know, and, and because I think people, people approach it backwards and they approach it without asking themselves certain questions that are fundamental in deciding what the appropriate business is. I think sometimes we go for either something we like or something that we think is easy, or something we think is inexpensive. And I mm-hmm. think that's a, a poor strategy, um, and it's actually a backward strategy. And I've talked in the past when we talked about developing a, you know, a business, and 
a home-based business is not much different than, you know, starting a business in a brick-and-mortar place or starting it someplace else. You have to start at the end. And I'm, what I mean by that is you have to ask yourself a primary question, why am I starting a business? Because, mm-hmm. you know, how you, why you start the business will determine what type of business that you get into because you have to decide how much money you need, how much money you need to make from this business, right? And then you're going to decide what your exit strategy is, meaning am I, uh, is my goal to supplement my income because I can't make ends meet? Is my goal to replace my current income so I can leave my job? Is my goal to grow into a traditional business? Because what people don't know, Apple Computer started as a home-based business. Hershey mm-hmm. started as a home-based business. Mary Kay started as a home-based business. And the Ford Motor Company started as a home-based business. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you have to ask yourself, why am, I starting this business? why am I starting a home-based business? And so that, you know, a lot of times people will say, well, you know, this is a great opportunity. Well, it's only a great opportunity if it meets my desired outcomes. So I have to know what I want to get out of this business before I choose anything. And I have to know how I intend to get out of this business before I choose anything. So, you know, once you ask yourself those questions, that that narrows down the scale somewhat for you because every type of business is not going to meet your your financial needs. Right. So then, mm. once, yeah, so once you figure out what how much money you need to make and why, then you have to – I know this sounds – crazy, but you have to choose a target market. See, Mm -hmm. what most people do is they find a product or service to sell first, and then they look for somebody to sell it to, and then they get the huge surprise, oh, wow, nobody wants it, or not enough people want it, or the market is saturated, or blah, blah, blah. So, you know, you have to decide who your target market is, and you choose that by deciding uh, is there a, a market that has an insatiable appetite for something that already exists? So, who is my target market? What do they want? How much money will they spend? And how frequently will they spend on that product or service? See, that's right. important because if you can only sell something to a person one time, that means you have to keep getting new customers over and over. If you, right. if you choose a product, right, and, and that's a terrible thing, it's always easier to resell to the same person than it is to find a new customer. Anybody who's, mm. tried, who's ever tried a business knows it's hard getting a, a customer. But once you have them and they're happy with what you provided, they'll buy from you over and over and over again. Right. So you have to, you have to figure that out. Um, you have to decide, you know, in that demographic, in, in terms of what they want, is there a lot of competition? Is this market oversaturated? And, and if there is competition, what differentiates my business idea from the, you know, and the products and services that I'll provide from others in the market? Because if you're selling the exact same thing as everybody else, and, and, you know, you never want to compete on price, by the way. I just need to throw that out there. Because if mm. you try to say, well, buy from me because my price is lower, that's the type of people you'll attract, people who look for the lowest price. So the next time they find somebody who has a lower price, they're going to leave you. Right. So you have to figure out who you're So you should just set your price. You should just set your price. Set your price know your market. value. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Know who the market but, is. Yes. But okay. The other thing I would say is that if if it's not price that you're setting setting it on, it has to be the quality of services of goods. And well, it has if, to be perceived value by the by the customer. Mm-hmm. And I, so I'll give you an example. Let's say a woman decides to do um, a beauty salon at home because that's a viable mm-hmm. business. 
you know, sometimes. And she she set the price based on the experience that people get. So it's not mm-hmm. so much. And 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 I don't know if you if uh, for you if you go to the barber shop, um, I'm sure you go to the same barber. And I'm sure not only the same barber shop, but you sit in the same chair. And there's a reason you sit in that same chair. And, and there'll be a line for that particular barber and an empty chair somewhere else. You still won't sit in that other chair. It's because of the experience that you got the first time and what it made you feel like. And mm-hmm. so you pay for the perceived value. Maybe he puts, uh, maybe he still uses a straight razor instead of the, the trimmer. Um, you know, maybe he puts a little burning aftershave on there and use that little powder on your neck and things like that. But you want that same consistent experience. And so right. it's about perceived value, not so much uh, the quality. You know, I don't know if that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, people, people pay for an emotional experience, and then they, they justify it with saying, oh, it was the quality or it was the, you know, the shape. You know. So, you know, a lot of it is about understanding what, and again, that's why I say what they want, not what they need. I didn't say what that demographic needs. It's exactly mm-hmm. what they want, how they want it, the way they want it, and pretty much at the price point that they wanted. Mm. Right. So So basically give the customer what he wants. Absolutely. And then that's that's the way you corner the market, you know, absolutely. your market. Yeah. And you don't need to corner it, right? You just need enough to meet your desired outcome. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of work to try to corner a market. It's a lot of resources, a lot of time, a lot of energy to corner a market. And so you want to go into a place where you don't have to corner a market in order to survive. You want to go to a place where there's such an abundance of, of opportunity that there really is no competition and that when you differentiate yourself, you can get a niche that says, this is exactly what I want. Right. Then you have to ask yourself, once you figure that out, do I have the ability to provide the products or services my target market wants? Mm-hmm. Because if you, you know, and, that, and that, that's a broad question. Because it's not necessarily do you have the personal skills if, it, if it's a service, but it's do I have the, the time, the energy, the resources, access to the financing? You know, do I have everything it takes to be able to give them exactly what they want? And, and if you can't, then you've got to start asking yourself, how can I get that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, then you have to ask yourself another question. I know, again, I told you I was going to put out a whole lot of questions, but these are questions. No, it's good. These are ask. good questions yeah. that we need to ask ourselves. Yeah. Um, how much time and how much money do I need to get the business started? Sometimes, you know, I, I always go by the, the two times rule. Whatever you estimate, multiply it by two. Mm-hmm. Because people are poor. <laughs> we're poor predictors of time and we're poor predictors in, in terms of a budget, what something is going to cost. Um, because we always try to give the best estimate. And you know, my thing is I'd rather err on the side of, of caution then underestimate because underestimating mm-hmm. can put you out of business really quickly, right? So, All right. Uh, you know, do I have the time and do I have the money? You know, how much time, how much money is it going to take to get this started? Um, and money shouldn't be necessarily uh, a reason you don't start the business. It just means mm-hmm. you have to, because once you know, then you can take the appropriate steps on how to acquire that money. And I think, right. you know, a lot of people make their, their choices based on uh, fear and lack, right? So right. Uh, you know, I don't have, so I'm limited to this. You're not. You're not limited to that. You know, we're going to talk about all the ways to get this done. You're not limited by money. Um, and if you're limited by time, then you need to reorganize. Um, so you have to ask yourself that. Then 
uh, do I have enough money to sustain the business until I make a profit? See, that's where we, we tend to fall short. You might have enough to get rolling, but can mm-hmm. I keep this business going? Because sometimes it takes a while um, to, to cover all the costs in terms of what you put into it before it starts to show a profit. Yes. And can you, can you keep it operating? Do you have enough cash flow? Mm-hmm. Right? Do, you have, do I have enough cash flow to keep this thing going? Um, you know, I have, a, funny, I have a student of mine. He, he um, actually just texted me earlier. His problem is his demand is greater than his ability to supply. Mm-hmm. And which is, you, you, would think is, you would think that's a wonderful thing. But that's a, so he asked me, he said, well, well, what, is the, what are the cons of that? Well, the cons of that are if you can't provide your customers with what they want in a timely fashion, they'll go looking for somebody else and never come back. Mm. Because he didn't, he, he, you know, he, he, his sales went so fast, uh, but the cash flow didn't come in fast enough for him to get a, uh, to reorder and be able to get stuff out again. You know, so you have to make sure you have enough uh, cash, cash flow on hand to be able to do that. Um, right. Talk a little bit about who, who is your competition and what different, and, and sometimes when we look at competition, we make the mistake of looking for somebody who has the exact same product or service. And competition means anybody that would take business away from you. Right. Right. So, uh, for instance, if you, if you decided to do a home-based business and you're a carpet cleaner, um, well, the person who sells new carpets is competition for you because they might convince somebody it's not worth cleaning the carpet. You know, so mm-hmm. you have to look at all types of competition. Anybody that would take business away from you is a competitor. And so right. what's going to make people deal with you as opposed to, you know, a competitor? The next question you'll have to ask, will you need employees or independent contractors or suppliers? Will you have to rely on them for your business to operate? See, sometimes when we think of a home-based business, we think of it as just self-employed or just you. But sometimes you, you, you rely on other people to do certain work. Matter of fact, you probably should, even if it's a home-based business. And it doesn't mean that they have to be in your home. Right. But, right? but you'll definitely, um, you know, with a lot of businesses, need contractors, whether it's somebody who's going to build a website for you or somebody that does IT work for you, or um, you could start a home-based cleaning service and you don't want to actually do the cleaning, right? You just book all the things and somebody else does the cleaning. I mean, whatever it is, well, you know, you have to ask yourself, will you need employees, independent contractors, or suppliers? And if so, uh, that goes back to cash flow again, because um, you might have a home-based business, say, with a cleaning service where your, the people are billed, but the, the money doesn't come in until 30 days. So during that 30 days, how are you going to pay your suppliers? How are you going to pay the independent contractors or the employees? Right, 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 right. Um, well, yeah. Before before you go more into the independent contracting, um, one of our uh, Facebook friends just posed a question. It's right in line sure. with something you were saying a few minutes ago. He asked the question, when talking about estimating, how do you estimate, first off, and what are the elements to take into consideration when you are estimating the startup cost for a business? That's a great question. Um, there's the traditional things, right? It's, um, it's inventory um, or manufacturing a product. Um, it's marketing. It's, um, you know, if you're going to have an office with it, it's the equipment, furniture, um, if the, the cost of rent, you should be paying yourself rent for whatever space you're using at your home. It's rent. It's, um, 
if you have employees, again, that, so you, you want to all any and every possible cost. Of course, if you open up a, a bank account, if you get consulting from um, a business expert, if you go to a, a tax expert for, for to set up a tax um, system for yourself, for a lawyer to incorporate, or you know, so all all of your costs, um, the cost mm-hmm. of research to understand the business, every every single penny that you're going to spend. Uh, you have to calculate that, and then you have to calculate how much it costs to get each customer. Right, and and that's something people really don't think about because you know you, you're not going to get a 100 percent conversion rate, meaning 100 percent of the people that you you reach are not going to decide to buy. And so, what you do, and that's part of your pricing too, right? So you got to figure out how much does it cost to get each person. And mm-hmm. how many times will that person buy from me before they never buy from me again? And until you get rolling, that is just an estimate, right? So you can do it based on market research, meaning um, you can look at other people who are doing it and, and look at, you know, how much they're charging. And then you have to figure out, okay, so if it costs me $20 to get a new, a new sale mm-hmm. and the person usually, and, and my product is $20, but a person usually buys from me three times, then I might be able to spend twenty dollars to get to get a new person, because I'm going to make twenty, you know, forty more dollars off of that person. So right. you got to go through every possible expense that you can imagine, and then ask somebody because you're going to forget you're going to forget something. Ask somebody what else do you think I might need, you know, and then put a price to it. Mm-hmm. So um, you know you should you should try not to guess. You can pretty much get the pricing for for anything if you do enough you know, research online. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I think that was adequate in terms of, you know, answering the question because most people want to know, you know, I think we, we said if you budget for your startup costs, you should just try to double that amount because, again, right. there are so many elements and things that uh, could, could we could sell ourselves short in terms of how much money we have we need to start the business up. So if you double that, then you really can't go wrong. So that's right. good. Thank you for the, uh, for that um, um, that answer. But well, now, I hope the questions keep coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, just, you know, just I just I just want to I'm sorry. Want to say too, uh, we have a lot of callers um, listening in, and welcome, oh, welcome to the Keys 107 with uh, financial expert Haru Nikat. But if you have a question for Haru, you just have to press the number one on your keypad. It's sort of like raising your hand, and then we'll see you in the queue and bring you in. But we're here. Hiru is here to answer, to ask, answer any question you might have on this topic of starting a home-based business. Haru, go ahead. Yeah, so just a couple of more questions you have to ask yourself. One, next one is how am I going to finance the business? Um, and I'm going to talk about financing a business later, but you need to you need to figure that out. You know, where's this money coming from? Um, then the next thing you have to ask, and this is really important, and a lot of times we try to skip over this. Do I need a license to do this type of business? Ooh. And mm-hmm. do I need insurance for this type of business? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've had you know uh, a couple people say, "Well, you know, I make cookies for everybody on my job, and I'm going to expand that." I'm like, "Okay, well, do you have a food handler's license? Uh, do you have insurance in case somebody gets sick?" You know, um, it's important that you have to you understand that because you can lose everything. Absolutely, absolutely. And then, uh, right, and then the final question you ask yourself before choosing a business is. You know, how do I reach my target market? How am I going to advertise to them? And, again, later on in, in the uh, program, we're going to talk about some of the easy ways to, to make that happen. 
So I didn't want to say this is a business to start because I don't know everybody's situation, but those are the, those are the, the questions you have to ask yourself before you choose, you know. Um, but if you just wanted me to give a few examples of a home-based web designer is a good home-based business. Home daycare is a good home-based mm-hmm. business. Um, I have a friend who does, is a party clown, um, get, gets all the costumes and goes to kids' parties. <laughs> <laughs> it makes good money, though. It's funny. Um, you know, I have a few few uh, friends that are personal trainers. Um, uh, my daughter is actually working on, and something she saw is a YouTube personality. You can be a mm-hmm. YouTube personality and make a lot of, a lot of money. Um, I have another student of mine, young guy, he – has a, uh, he gets tens of thousands of followers on Twitter and mm. then sells ad- advertising on his page. Um, okay. So he makes a, yeah, makes a, a lot of money doing that. Um, you know, there's just so many, so many different things you can do. Um, massage therapy even you can do from home. Uh, hair styles, of course. You know, interior designer. Mm-hmm. Um, a dog groomer. You know, you could be a dog groomer. There's so many pet sitter, dog walker. Uh, dog trainer, uh, you know, just so many things that you can do. Uh, oh, I have a, a friend I really want to tell. He's blind, and he's a gift basket uh, arranger. He designs mm. gift baskets. He has an assistant, and but he he is strange. He knows because he knows what people want. He's able to, you know, have somebody source the, the items he knows people want, and then they just arrange it for him. And he sells during the holidays. You know, it's a seasonal thing. He sells gift baskets. Right. Um, so just so many things. Caterer. Um, I have a, a another student who's uh, does event planning. Um, I mean, it's just so many. It goes on and on. You can be a life coach. So many things you can do. You know that. You know we don't think of Airbnb is even you know vacation rentals. It's still it's all based yes. business. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes we don't think of that as a business, but it actually is. Um, you know. So, I mean, the list goes on and on, and it's really only limited to your imagination. Uh, so there's just so many things now that you can do uh, from home without having to be locked into a you know, brick-and-mortar uh, place. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful thing. Now, I, I wanted to say earlier when you mentioned um, insurances, most businesses, you know, that you do, you have to have some type of insurance, you know. Yeah. Um, and so when when you're factoring in that, uh, cost, you know, the, the, that budget to, uh, for operating costs, they got to factor in some type of insurance, general liability, or yeah. something, you yeah. know. So, and, you know, you got to protect it's not, your It's assets. not usually expensive. It's not. It's not usually very expensive. Right. Um, you know, unless you're doing something that's really dangerous, then you know the premiums are very low. It's definitely worth it. Um, mm-hmm. And and just to add to that, when you said protecting your assets. You know, um, a lot of people start a home-based business and they don't create a business structure legally, mm-hmm. but they don't understand. Even if you don't start one legally, you have a business structure by default. So right. um, if, if you start a home-based business and you're making money, then you are automatically a sole proprietor, and all the rules that apply to a sole proprietor affect you. And if you do it with a friend, you will automatically have created a partnership, and all the rules of a partnership apply. So that means tax rules, that means liability rules, you know. So um, in general, I tell people to create some type of corporate structure, whether it's a, a, a corporation or an LLC, uh, to have that increased liability protection. And, mm-hmm. you know, don't, don't have your accountant tell you, oh, you don't need to do that because they just want to make it easier for them. It's not better for you. 
Um, right. You know, because when you just do a sole proprietorship, you just do a Schedule C at the end of your taxes, your regular 1040, but you don't get the tax benefit that you would if you did a, a C corporation or even if you did it as a, what you call an S corporation and it flowed through. You get mm-hmm. so many more benefits and you get the liability protection of creating that type of structure. Right. Well, I hope they're taking notes on that because I, I know a majority of people who are starting the home-based business do not think in that terms of a, a corporate structure, the LLC, and all these other things that can save you from le- losing your home if you own the p- property that you're starting your business from. But we know a lot of people are starting business out of the apartments, and they figure, well, I don't have much to lose. But you really always have <laughs> something have to everything lose. Everything to lose. And it's, and it's not more difficult. It's not more difficult to have a corporate structure than it is a sole proprietorship. You have to keep records for your business anyway. So it's not more difficult. It's not even more expensive. The filing fee is the same for a sole proprietorship as a, as a corporation, maybe like $10 mm-hmm. different. So, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely worth it in terms of this. It's the most prudent thing to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So we're moving pretty good and at a really good pace. I'm hoping everyone who's online um, is picking up on some key things so they can go out there and start their business. But we do want callers to go ahead and ask the question so we can bring you on the air and you can speak directly to Niket, um, and um, he will help you um, get a better handle on how you can start successfully your home-based business. So, so we're going to go mm-hmm, take a quick speaker. break. We're going to take a quick break. Um, let Haru go get a glass of water. Let, let, let you get a glass of water, Brother James. I'm your co-host, Rafika, and um, we'll be right back. The Keys 107. We'll be right back. Fluff presents the alphabet is available on Amazon.com and on Kindle. So get your copy today. For more information, visit them online www.thefluffffamily.com. Now, 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 back to the key. 107 with your host, Rafika and Brother and the Fluffs present the Alphabet, who are the sponsors of our special broadcast every third Thursday of the month with financial advisor and business consultant Haru Niket, are on sale on Amazon for $12.99. So go to Amazon, get your copy today. Haru, we left off with talking about the licenses and corporate structure of a business. I think this is a, probably a good time to move into that whole multi-level marketing, I've had some people text me and ask me, is that like the, um, what's the latest one that's out, James? I can't think of the name of it right now that people keep trying to get us involved in. The, uh, it's the ca- with, carrot with bar. People, where people are trying to get you to purchase all the services and you can do your cell phone, you can do your, your, your gas bill, your light bill, and not only can you do it, but you can make money and get other people to do it too. And it sounds so exciting, and they're excited. What is that all about, Haru? Well, I'm going to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. And, um, <laughs> you know, this, this is a very emotional 
topic for a lot of people because most people who have tried to start a home-based business have tried it through multi-level marketing, um, and it's hard to say sometimes that you didn't make necessarily the best decision. Um, and not to say that it's always a bad decision. For some people, it's a great decision. And so let me just talk about the good first. I think we should always start off with the good. The good is that there's a huge variety of different multi-level marketing that might meet your, your tastes. Um, the other good is that you have a product or service basically in a box. You don't have to think about the product design. You don't have to worry about manufacturing. You don't have to worry about pricing. You don't have to worry about the sales strategy. You don't have to worry about anything. It's pretty much a product or service in a box. Um, also, there is some, oftentimes some sales training. So that's the, the good. The bad is you don't have control over the product or service design. You don't have control over the pricing. In most cases, the market is far, far, far oversaturated and it's done quietly because you don't even realize how many people are, are in this, the, you know, the business. So um, the, the supply often far outweighs the demand. And when we talk about supply and demand, that's not a good strategy when you have more supply and suppliers than you have demand. I think the, the marketing strategy is not good because it's um, go out and tell all your family and friends or it's what you call shotgun marketing, just tell everybody, and so it's not targeted. Also, it's not customer-centric. So when we go back to our strategy in the beginning, it's find a demographic first that says I want this and then provide it for them, not let me provide this product or service I think everybody needs and then try to push it on everybody and hope it sticks. Um, the ugly is it can be exploitative, you know. Um, oftentimes people in it don't sell the product or service. They oftentimes try to recruit people into the downline, and that's where the money is really made. And so I think it's unethical for someone to try to recruit a whole bunch of people when they haven't made money on a product or service. So you're bringing mm. somebody into a business where you know you haven't made any money on a product or service with the, you know, telling them you can make $10,000 and you can't make it on a product or service. You can only make it if you bring other people into the business that's oversaturated, that's not selling. And so, right. you know, it's, it's very, very difficult for most people to find success with the product or service in multi-level marketing. Um, so, you know, um, my thing is, if it fit all those questions that you asked before, and then you just happen to get a product there that meets that, then I guess there would be, you know, no issue with doing that. But just to, to go to the meeting, you know, go for the hype, you know, and then jump into it without having answered all those questions, I think is, is a, a mistake. You know, so I'm sure we're going to, you know, you're, it's going to light up now because anybody who's in multi-level marketing is probably going to have an issue with that. But as a business consultant, I couldn't, I couldn't feel good about advising somebody to just seek out a, a multi-level marketing uh, product without going through all those questions that we talked about, you know, earlier in the segment first. So that's the good, the bad, and the ugly. Well, mm. <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess we will have those who would like to uh, comment on it or ask a question, you know, before the show is out. Please do, because we'd like to hear your concerns and uh, your issues or maybe even your experiences with um, multi-level marketing and uh, 
obviously it's around it's been around for some time so there have been people who have uh made good with it but the majority of people who go into multi-level marketing never meet their expectations of uh of the type of revenue or the type of profit they think that they should be making so um they're and the problem, frustrated and the thing is they, they they tend to blame it on the person who didn't make the money and not on the system you know, you're not right. putting enough time. You're not putting enough effort. You're not you're not talking to enough people. Um, you know, and not even to get into the whole thing of, of, you know, if the product was that great, then why wouldn't you use traditional marketing? You know, if if this strategy was so great, the mainstream businesses would all turn to multi level marketing. You know, you wouldn't right. you wouldn't take your product and give it to a, a amateur sales force to try to sell it to sell it for you. You know, that just that just doesn't even make sense. You know, um, and, and you know, just that whole idea of people thinking they're an independent business owner. You're not an independent business owner. You're a sales rep because you don't have a controlling interest in the business. You can't change the product, the service, the price. You can't change the design. You can't discontinue one of the products. You can't add a new product. So you're not an independent business owner. You're a sales representative. And if you get a downline, you're a sales manager. Right. And you're, and you're doing it on a commission. So And when you add up all the amount of time that you put in trying to get that commission, um, you're making far less than minimum wage. So it goes back again to that, does it meet my, my time? It's extremely time-consuming for a very low return, you know. Hmm. Okay. Well, I know uh, that's something. Now, I don't know if we hit all the um, points that we wanted to talk about licensing, but... Um, oh, well, you know, actually, licensing is a little different than multi-level marketing. Mm-hmm. So licensing... It's actually uh, when you when you purchase a, a license, like for instance, it's not a home based business, but I'll give you an example. Um, we've all heard of CrossFit. Right? No, CrossFit no. The, oh, you haven't heard. Okay, CrossFit is the largest growing franchise in America, and mm. it's a it's a gym basically. Um, but, okay, CrossFit. Yes, yes, but, I have. Yeah, and I shouldn't call it a franchise because it's not really a franchise because. All you do is buy the right to use the name CrossFit, mm-hmm. and when you put up the and they and, and their uh, brand is so large, when you put the name CrossFit, it just draws people to your place, and so you have the flexibility to do what you want. So they they get, you take a week long class, you pay I think it's like fifteen hundred dollars annually to use the name CrossFit, but you have flexibility to do other things in your gym, and they you know give you classes and uh, things like that. So. Licensing would be uh, the ability to use the NFL logo or the teams, um, to use Disney characters, to do, um, you know, just to, to use somebody's brand. Or if you had uh, even the license of product. So let's say you you were you did have a salon and you wanted to have hair oil, but you wanted to put your name on it. You have the right, you know, to license their oil and put your name on it. Right. You know so. Licensing is is totally different. It gives you a much more flexibility, but you don't have to. You know, you get the the, the benefit of either their brand or their product already existing. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a fast way. Um, years ago, I had licensed a um, a marketing kit uh, when I first started out because they had this. That's when uh, websites first came out, and nobody knew how to market websites. Right. And, you know, I got a license from this company that taught how to uh, market websites. And I was wow. able to put my name on it and use their product, you know, as a marketing strategy. So licensing is, is 
almost like a business in a box also. Um, you get the benefit of the, of the brand recognition or of, like I say, a valuable product that you can actually put your own name on. Mm. Yes. Yeah, we're, we're familiar with it. Rafiq and I, we could, that's an area that we had considered um, doing um, with hair care products and right. other elements in that, in that area. And we're still considering because we know that uh, it is a viable way. If you got a good product and you can put your name on it, that's a good thing. Your marketing strategy changes. It's not just marketing somebody else's thing. It's yours. Right. Right. You know, so, you know, that's something we have been considering and looking, still looking into it. Mm-hmm. Well, again, the most important thing, no matter if you're doing a license, a licensing, or you're doing multi-level marketing, is to is to address those those key questions that Haru laid out for us. Those those questions are sort of your checklist, mm-hmm. which leads to um, which leads to the point you was talking about earlier in how do you decide. What's the best type of home-based business to start? That's the checklist. You have to use that checklist to guide you. Maybe licensing is good for you. If you have an idea for a skincare product, you don't have to go to the scientist, to the lab. You can just go to somebody else's company and license the product. Right, right. So it usually, licensing usually is, it, it enhances something that you already, you know, have. You know, so it's a great way to, to add value. To, to whatever it is that your product or service is, just adding extra value. It's like a baseball cap. It's just a baseball cap unless you have the right to put that Yankees logo on there. You know, then it just upped the value significantly, you know. So um, it's a great way to increase the value of, of an idea that you have. Hmm. Okay, okay. Now let me ask you, um, you had mentioned earlier about having independent contractors or contractors uh, or employees working for you. Now, isn't being an independent contractor sort of being self-employed, um, running your own business in and of itself? Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things, like I, I mentioned earlier, as as the economy continues to evolve, you know, more and more businesses will, will be keeping a smaller core of permanent employees because it's not cost-effective for a corporation to keep people on full-time, pay benefits, pay taxes, unemployment insurance. And so they'll begin to scale down to a real core skeleton crew of essential people, and then they'll hire uh, people with specialized skills as independent contractors on a project-by-project basis. So becoming an independent contractor gives you the flexibility um, to be able to work in multiple places for uh, periods of time. Um, and it gives you really, you know, no, no feeling except for your time in terms of how much income um, that you can derive from, from your skills. And some skills, um, you know, can be done remotely, and you can actually be an independent contractor for a company on the other side of the world. So when we talk about independent contractors, uh, you know, I, I talked on previous shows about Elance. Elance actually changed their name, by the way, now. They're, they're called Upwork which is, I don't know why they changed it, but Elance kind of made sense, Fanatical Upwork. And they boast that they have 2,700-plus skills on their website for, for independent contractors. So you've got mm. people with 2,700-plus different skills, so that means people are going there 
finding whatever type of work they need. And that work ranges from being a virtual assistant, right, to uh, writing and translating, um, to IT work, web design, um, administrative support, um, sales and marketing from home, engineering, legal work, financial work, financial management, bookkeeping, like anything you can imagine. They have over 2,700 different skills. So if you have a skill, it's a great way for you to get out there um, because there are people looking for it. You know, they, they boast that they've paid their independent contractors over a billion dollars annually. That's, mm. that's, so there's work out there. You know, um, you know, they have over 100,000 jobs posted a month. So, you know, uh, Upwork, like I said, Odesk, if you're, uh, you know, a um, tech person, MTurk, they have a site, Freelancer, if you're to do any type of freelance work. Um, if, you, if you have other smaller skills, TaskRabbit, um, so you could be running a, you know, um, fixer-upper thing. You know, I, I do home improvement or I just do handyman work. You know, you can be on TaskRabbit or, you know, I run errands or I do whatever. You know, there's so many opportunities now and so many different websites, you know, for people to, to market their skills as an independent contractor. You know, it, it doesn't make sense not to do that. And like I said, you, you can make so much more money as an independent contractor than you do as an employee. And from the flip side, if you are starting a business, it makes so much more sense because you save so much money when you hire people as an independent contractor than you do as hiring them as an employee because most people are not productive throughout the day as an employee. And so an independent mm-hmm. contractor, you give them a project and you say, this is what I'm willing to pay you for the project and this is the time frame I need it done in, and they get it done. You know, so, you know, from both sides of the, of, of the spectrum, whether you're doing the hiring or you want to be hired, you know, independent contracting now is, is really the wave of the future. Okay. Okay. I can even see that even with uh, if you're a caterer, you know. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. And you get that big job, you you know, you 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 know, not that you outsource, but you would use independent contractors to come in to help to um, get this job done. This this right, you know, little things, food prep, yeah. right, right, mm-hmm. the transportation, the setup, all those things that you don't need somebody there all the time, you know, and right. it's not high-skilled labor necessarily because if you're the, the, the chef, you know, you don't need somebody to, you know, create the ingredients, but you need maybe somebody to cut the onions. You need, you need, you know, somebody to do the, the, the mundane, more mundane tasks or the things that mm-hmm. you don't have the skill to do. You know, you hire an independent contractor. So, yeah, um, yes. yeah, it just makes sense. It does well, definitely goes back, sense. This goes back to what you were saying earlier, Haru, about, not not worrying so much about how much money it's going to cost you to get started because if you use those freelance services, you can get a lot done. And also, this goes back to uh, a conversation we had in one of our earlier shows about not doing everything yourself. Just because you are operating a home-based business, you have to have help. You have to have staff in order to be successful. Absolutely. You can't wear all the hats. <laughs> and I tell you what, this actually broadens your 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 scope in terms of what you you want to accomplish. So let's just say let's go back to to Upwork for instance. They have 2700 plus skills, but they list, 
you know, they have a, a place on their website where they list the, the types of, of jobs that people look for the most, so the things that are most in demand. That tells you, okay, if this is the most, let's say it's web design, for example, and I'm not saying that's it because I didn't really look, but if it's web design, if that's the, the thing that's most in, in demand or app design is the most thing in demand, then it would make sense for you to start a business there, but that doesn't mean you have to know how to do web design or app design. See, all you have to do is be able to get customers who want a website design or customers who want an app design, and then you outsource the skills, you outsource the work to somebody who's, say, on Elance, right, or on one of the other sites, and they do the work. And you just create, you just build a margin in there so that, you know, whatever you're paying them, there's still a spread. So your cost of marketing and your cost of the labor, the difference goes in your pocket. And so your job basically is to be a marketer to find the people to drive traffic to, to you so that people want to use the service. So that's, a, that's a great way to actually, you know, broaden your scope and be able to understand trends. So if the trend is everybody wants an app now, nobody wants a website anymore, then, okay, let's go to Odesk, let's go to, you know, to uh, Upwork, and let's find somebody who does apps. And it could be somebody on the other side of the globe, um, and they might do it. You know, uh, because it's on the other side of the globe, it's less expensive, you know, the cost of labor. Absolutely. Hmm. All right, well, let's move right into it, uh, outsourcing and offshoring to save time and money, Haruz. Does that, does that relate to the uh, – or is that it, in, it, in, in – go ahead. It, it's, a, it's, it's absolutely in line with it, and – you know, a lot of times, you, you, when you talk about offshoring, we're talking about oftentimes when you're trying to create your own product or service, right? When you're trying to create your own product. And creating your own product is really the most difficult, resource-intense way to start a business. Um, so you really have to ask yourself, is there really a strong market, you know, for this product? And is there really no other way for me to, to get this inexpensively and be able to compete? And if you decide that the only way I can compete in this market is to cut my um, manufacturing costs, then you have to offshore. I mean, you have to go to another country to get, you know, things created. And there are a couple of uh, uh, great resources. Most people know about Alibaba. Yeah. Uh, Alibaba is actually a Chinese company. People it's strange Alibaba, but it's a Chinese company. But there's also hmm. another one that's lesser known but really a great one, too, called ThomasNet.com. Um, so Thomas, like the name, T-H-O-M-A-S-N-E-T.com, is also another great resource for finding, you know, uh, they'll find places in other countries to, you know, help you manufacture whatever it is that you're trying to create. So, you know, we definitely have to use that. And in terms of outsourcing, you know, we talked about some of the places, but we should never overlook smaller ones like Fiverr, where most of the things on there are $5.00 or more, right, 20-ville, which most things are $20, and Fitty Town, and that's spelled like that, Fitty, F-I-T-T-Y town.com, where, <laughs> you know, the service providers um, pretty much offer things at, at $50 or, or more. So, you know, we definitely want to take advantage of all those resources. And, again, we, we have access to stuff that and years ago you had to have serious connections, you had to travel to China, and you had to – you know, make these relationships and you had to worry about, the, you know, uh, different trade restrictions and all these things. And we don't have that now. 
you know, so the barriers to entry are so low now and the ability to access, you know, resources uh, on the other side of the planet are so easy. It doesn't make sense not to. Right. So we have another Facebook uh, question, Haru, that's that's been okay. posted in the event uh, area. It says, when talking about estimating how no, I, I'm sorry, that's the wrong one. When you talk about marketing, especially in estimating costs, what kinds of things are you talking about? What is marketing as it relates to a home-based business? Okay, that's a good question, and I was going to get to that one anyway, so uh, might as well jump to marketing. Um, marketing has to be determined by your target demographic. See, you know, some people say, well, what's the lowest cost marketing? Well, that depends on – it doesn't make sense to – to go cheap if it's not going to reach your demographic. And it doesn't make sense to pay a lot of money in another way if it's not going to reach your demographic. So you have to look at the age of your demographic. You have to look at the gender of your demographic. You have to look at the ways that they like to receive information. So um, how do they normally receive information about a product or service? Um, there's a certain demographic, uh, usually baby boomers and up, and so those are people in their 60s and older, who still like to get the information by print. And so, you know, what, so how do you find out where to put it in print? If you're going to put it in magazines, like years ago, um, I used to put ads in classif- classified ads in magazines. And I would target my specific audience. And the way you find out who, what they're reading is you can go to srds.com, the standard rating data service. So srds.com, and it'll tell you the demographics, um, or you can look by demographics, and it will tell you exactly the readership of different magazines and who the demographics are. Um, or if you had any um, magazine that you had in mind, you can ask them for, a, um, for their press kit, um, and, and it will tell you exactly what the demographics are, uh, what the readership is, how much money they make, how much money they spend. It will give you all the information about them. So if it's an older group, you might want to look at print. If it's Generation X, uh, which is now hitting their 50s, uh, Generation X down to millennials, then you probably look at social media. Um, so, you know, Facebook now is growing in terms of their, their uh, marketing. You know, people are actually finding success with that. But you can, you can, you don't have to do necessarily paid marketing in social media. I think social media allows you the greatest opportunity to do market research in real time ever because before you start a business, create a page for it and try to get people in your target demographic to like the page and then put out questions. Ask them everything about the product, the design, the um, the cost, how much they use it. If they had a hand in designing it, what would they put into it? Ask every type of question you can and get real time information. So you can use Twitter, you can use Facebook, you can, you know, do that. Um, also, again, generation uh, no, the millennials, they're on YouTube. They don't watch television anymore. And so right. you might want to use YouTube um, to, to create your marketing. Um, websites are a funny thing. I don't really like websites. People say, oh, you got to have a website. A website is just like an old business card. It's static. Right? So, you know, you can only put so much information there, and it's not interactive. And so, um, again, you'll get millenn- not millennials, you'll get generation extras and up who still want to look at a website. They're like, what's your website? That's like handing out a business card. I don't do business cards, by the way. I think it's, you know, <laughs> a, a, it's a waste. People get the business card, throw it in the drawer, throw it in the garbage, and never see it again. And, again, it's not interactive. And so, um, 
some businesses work better on, on referrals. Um, some you have to do old-fashioned cold calling. Um, so you have to understand who your demographic is, and then you have to, and here's the rule, test small, lose small. Any, any type of marketing you do, you, you, you test. You test to see if it's effective, but there's different parts of it you test. So you test the language that you use. You test the imagery that you use. You, ch- you test the, you know, how long it is. I mean, so, you know, it, it, it's a long, tedious process in the beginning to get the marketing right. Um, but you want to put out as little money as possible, and you want to test on a small scale first. Uh, and then you might even be limited by your budget, right? So if your budget is small, then you really have to try to find how to reach your demographic in the, in the lowest uh, expense possible. So, you know, it's, it's tough to answer because I don't know what type of business that person has or who the demographic is, but that's really what it's based on. Haru, that Michael Soares also uh, wants to know how how does one know when it's time to outsource? How realistic is it for the average home-based business to worry about that? I think outsourcing should be your primary um, way to hire because one thing we don't we don't understand too, it, starting a business. And generating income is not only about getting more money, but it's also should be about getting your time back. And, you know, it's, the more time you have to dedicate to it, the less you get to enjoy life. And I'm all about enjoying life now and not the deferred life enjoyment program that most people are on. <laughs> uh, most, that's what they do, right? They say, well, one day I'm going to make enough money and I'm going to enjoy myself. And I think you should enjoy life, you know, while you have it because you don't know when it's going to be gone. And so um, I think you should try to do as little as possible and still meet your financial goals. And it's so difficult to be the person who does everything, the person who does the website, who maintains the website, the person who services the clients, the person who does the manufacturing and the deliveries. And, you know, you do so many things that you end up dropping the ball pretty much on everything. And so I think your, your, your first thought should be, um, how much of this work can I put someplace else in the hands of someone else, especially if they're an expert on that? You know, let the experts mm-hmm. do what they do. Your, your focus should be on, on, on building the infrastructure and, and the management and running the business and making it grow. So you should, your thing is working on the business, not in the business. And that's whether it's a home-based business or a traditional business, you should never be trying to do everything yourself. Sometimes we, our egos, you know, we, uh, force us into a corner where we end up ruining, you know, our, our idea um, because we think or well, it won't be good enough because I didn't do it. It doesn't have to be good enough for you. It has to be good enough for your customer. We have to remember that. We have to be customer-centric, not right. ego-centric, right? So um, if, it, if, the, if, it's, if you're getting positive feedback from the customer, then that's it. It's good. Uh, and and in, even to develop the amount of skills that are necessary you don't have time for that because the way the world is moving so fast now, you know, even a, a home-based business, the opportunity to be here today, it'll be gone tomorrow. And by the time you master the skills, it'll be an unviable business. So I think your first thought should be outsourcing. And then the second part of the question was how realistic is that for the average person? Um, those resources that I, I mentioned earlier, um, Freelancer, TaskRabbit, Thomas, Alibaba, um, Upwork, 
ODEF, MTurk, anybody, anybody can just click on and they can hire. You can post your job and you'll get immediate responses from people who want to do the work. And the good thing is you get to see reviews of their previous work and oftentimes you get to see a portfolio of their work so you can judge it and make a determination as to whether, you know, this is the person I want to hire. Well, Haru, James and I can uh, certainly attest to what you are saying. We didn't know you at the time, but when we started our online store, we outsourced the production, the manufacturing of the garments in India, and we Mm. did it at a good price, uh, but we did everything right, except for the main thing you're talking about where you just can't do it all yourself. Absolutely, and we outsourced it. To China as well, you right. know. That's right. And we know the difference yeah. between China and India for sure now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We got some bumps and some bruises to talk about, but I think we're going to save that for a special show. I don't want to go too far off track, so we start getting close to the closing hour. But, Haru, I, I think one of the gems that I've definitely taken away from you is that Stop trying to do everything yourself just because you have a home-based business. And I keep, I'm going to emphasize this as many times as I can, and that is my advice that I share to many people when I'm talking one-on-one. Go to these resources that Haru is mentioning, uh, TaskRabbit. Go to freelancers.com. Get help. We think we can do it all ourselves because we're smart. You know, we put a business together. We wrote a proposal. We could do this. We got experience. You'll be exhausted, and you will not have that time. You'll be on that <laughs> that happy deferment time plan you just mm. talked about. You'll be exhausted. You will be working more hours because you're home. There's right. no clock, right? Right. And one of the things we have to, I think, we have to change the the concept of what a home based business is. You know, it just it simply means that you didn't go out and rent a brick and mortar place to do your business. It right. doesn't mean it has to be small. It doesn't mean it has to only make you a little bit of money. It doesn't mean you have to be the only person to do the work. It just means you chose not to go out and rent a brick-and-mortar building somewhere. It's your location. Okay. That's all. That's it. And so you're not limited in size or scope um, because you chose to do it from home. Mm. Well, that's true. And, and another thing is that a lot of, and I'm just, we, we're going off the track a little bit, but I have to say this. When I first started working from home, when I did publicity some years ago, you know, the, the, the drive was that I don't like getting up in the morning. I really don't like it. So if I work for myself, I don't got to get up in the morning. I can kind of like sleep till 12. And I did that for a while, but what I learned, and this is time management, is by the time I got up and got myself together, the people that I needed to do businesses was leaving the office. <laughs> well, you know, that's important to, to – I, I think most people come into it that same way, you know. Um, and I, I think once you develop certain systems, then you know how long you can sleep. You know, I, I think everybody goes through that same process. You know, when I left my job, it was the same thing, you know – I. But I tell you, I was even worse, right? So my home-based business, I would do sitting on my front steps. And so I said, well, when it rains, the office is closed, you know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I I think what happens, that transition is hard because 
especially if you if you're doing it full time from home, you know you didn't realize that somebody set the agenda and the goals for you when you had a job. Somebody set what tasks were priority for you when you're on a job. Somebody told you you know time frames when things had to be done when you were on a job, and so you had that structure where you really didn't have to think about anything except the skill you were providing. And when you're your, when you do it from home, when you're your own boss, you know, you have to now set the goals and the priorities and the, you know, what the agenda is for the, for the day and what one thing leads into the next thing and contingencies for when something goes wrong and, you know, making sure this is on time or making that meeting or, you know, making sure these resources are available. And in the beginning, it can be maddening. And so you, you do have to create, you know, we didn't talk about it, but you do have to create a plan. And I'm not talking about, you know, traditional business plan that's 36 pages because you're trying to get financing, but you have to have at least an annual goal. Based on, if we go back to that first question of why you're getting into the business, then you have to have an idea. And it's funny, I had a conversation, another conversation with a client of mine earlier today, and he was telling me he's hiring these two new people and he's going to go for it. He's going to do it. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. I said, how much money are you trying to make? He said, I, well, I, I just I want to make more money than I did before. Well, how much more? So how do you know the investment is worth, mm-hmm. you know, putting that in if you don't know exactly how much money you're trying to make? And so, you know, you got you to gotta set your goals based on what your desired outcome is. And so if your desired outcome is um, I wanna, I'm just doing this to buy a car at the end of the year, then how much does that car cost? Okay, the car costs X amount of dollars. Okay, that's the amount of money I have to get. Okay, in order to get that, and if I'm selling my product at this amount of money, how many clients do I need? How many clients do I need in order to get that amount of money minus all my expenses? Uh-huh. And so, and then, okay, how many? So, if I need to get ten clients a week, how much time does it take to get ten clients? Okay, if I can't do that, then I know I need to get some help with this. Either that, or I need either I need to get somebody else to do some sales too, and I have to. Uh, subtract the money they get from it. I have to increase my prices if it's possible, or I have to find another business. Right. But you won't know that unless you create a plan. So in your plan, you're definitely going to have to have, um, you know, what your desired outcome is, and you're going to have to have what, uh, you know, um, what resources you need, what your budget's going to be, uh, what what other help you need in terms of employees or independent contractors, all the things we talked about have to go into a, a coherent plan that leads you to one place, that desired outcome. Absolutely. Because you won't even know you won't even know if you're on track if you don't have a plan. Right? Mm. Because if you if, let's say you do need a license. Okay, the license has to come first. Before you get a, a home daycare, you're gonna need certain licensing and inspections and all that has to be done. Okay, I have to do all that and then I have to recruit and then I have to do but I have to do this you know, maybe in the, in the uh, academic calendar because um, parents, you know, the, the oldest children might be home, but now the older children went back to school, so they're looking for daycare. So I need to be able to have that at a certain time frame. So you, you can't know if you're on track if you don't create a plan that's very definitive and very, you know, uh, goal-oriented. Mm. You know, otherwise you have just what we call a hustle, you know. Right. I mean, if you're in business, you do have to hustle. But if you start off hustling without having a plan, that's all you have is a hustle, you know. And, and that hustlers, we, we all, uh, and I say we because I came up that way <laughs> as a hustler. 
and we always come in with the with the only question we had is, well, how do we break even when we started right. up? But you know, that's a, that's a already a losing mentality because right. you really want to double and triple and quadruple your money. Right. But the first question commonly asked is, well, you know, what's the break even point? You know, how, you know, that's saying you ain't gonna be successful. Cause break even means you bust your behind and you ain't bring home no money. Right. So right. it's a different mentality. And I'm glad you're bringing that up. But we do have a question from uh, another Facebook friend here, and his question is. Uh, for my brand, I want to try to build it up in other international markets that are a higher demand before coming back home. Where's home? We'll find out. I believe it's America. How do I go about acquiring sponsorships to get to those other markets? So that sort of uh, seg- segues into ways finance. of financing yeah. your business. Yeah. Yeah, that's, so a, a, that's a, yeah, that's that's everybody has has these. That's I guess the number one question: How do I pay for it? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to give you a couple of ways, and I'm going to go from worst to best. <laughs> Not necessarily worst to best, but I tell you, the worst way to do it is to, to try to save up your own money and dump every dime you've got into it. Um, that's the most popular way, but it's it's the worst way. You don't want to dump all of your your hard earned money into it and go back to the deferred life enjoyment plan um and oftentimes you can never it takes so long to save enough it's just not worth it anyway so savings is one way to do it but i I wouldn't recommend that um personal or business credit you it can be done but you have to be careful of a high apr so um if you're a new business you usually cannot get business credit without being a personal guarantor and people don't understand that you know they'll give it to you in the business name so it won't go on your credit report unless you default on it, and then it goes on your credit report, and you're personally, you know, responsible for paying it. So, um, you know, if you go to bankrate.com, you can probably find a, uh, a source that will give you personally or your, your business a, a line of credit, and depending on how creditworthy you are is really how much your business is going to get. So if it's an extremely high interest rate, then you might want to steer clear of that, but that's a way. Um, another way is to have a solid partner. Um, you might do well, probably better better than you would with a credit card with a business partner who is a solid partner. So the thing is, you certain questions that, that you have to be able to answer. Um, when can you p- expect to pay them back? How much return can you afford to pay them? Um, and the big question can you service that loan if something goes wrong? Mm-hmm. Right, because you're you're still on the hook. And again, most of the time, most of the time, you know, there's no collateral per se, but it's done with a, a promissory note, and that note is enforceable in court. If you're a sole proprietor, then you're on the hook. If you're a corporation and you file bankruptcy, and then you're kind of off the hook. Um, but you you know, it's, it's sometimes it's good. And there's a difference between having a a, a a lender and a silent partner in the sense of an investor. So an investor, there's no guarantee of a return. And so they might want, um, you know, a stake in the business. So they might say, I want a certain percentage of ownership, or they might say, I want a certain percentage of the equity, meaning I want a certain percentage of the profits. You should never give anybody a percentage of the gross income that you make because 
you don't know how much you need for your expenses. And so they have to get it. If you're going to do a percentage, it has to be on the equity or on the profit. So that's after you've paid your expenses. Or so net, way as to they call it, it, right? Net, or right, or net, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a, a good way to do it. Um, peer lending is huge now. So peer lending um, kind of took the place of, of what banks were doing in terms of lending. So you can go to LendingClub.com. Um, they, you can get a loan there. Uh, Prosper is another one. Upstart is another one. And Funding Circle. So let me go over those again. Lending Club, Prosper, Upstart, and Funding Circle. And you'll know within less than five minutes if you qualify for a loan and how much. Mm-hmm. So they'll tell you if you qualify, how much you you're, you qualify for, and what your interest rate would be. And the good thing about those sites is when you when you do that, you don't take a hit on your credit report as an inquiry. So there's no right. risk mm-hmm. in finding out. That you know that's important. There's no risk in finding out if you qualify. Um, the other thing is microloans. And microloans go up to about $45,000. So right now uh, the SBA has, has a, a site with microloan programs. So if you go to sba.gov and you search mm-hmm. microloan programs, they have about 100 different uh, lenders that do microloans. Um, and they vary. Some only do in certain states. Some only do certain types of businesses. But there's at least a hundred uh, available. So out of that hundred, somebody uh, will probably give you a microloan because some are for startups, some are for businesses that exist already, some for expansion. Depending on what it is that you're trying to to accomplish, there's a lender there that might be able to meet your needs. So you know, money finding money today is really not a major issue. If you have a, a decent plan, and that goes back to being able to show, I already have a demographic that's willing to spend money. Um, I've tested it. I've tested my product or service, and it's making some money. Um, and and this is my this is what I'm predicting it will do. And and so, you know, don't don't ever go into this with a fear of not being able to get the money because there's so many ways. And push come to shove, there's always crowdsourced funding. Um, I don't know if you there's a a guy in Chicago, an older, older man, he's 80-something years old, and he, he pushes around a cart selling ICs in mm. Chicago. And one of his customers saw him and said, you know, I want to do a, a, a GoFundMe page for you, you know, so you can really support your, your family. And, the, and that was a couple of days ago that I first heard about it. It was on the news again today. And just from, from donations from people, they raised over three hundred thousand dollars for this guy who pushes around uh, an icy car in Chicago. So I'm not saying you'll get three hundred. That's you know clearly that's an anomaly. But if you have a, a product or service that people believe in, you know, um, you, you'd be surprised. You'll also be able to supplement the other money you get with crowdsourced funding. So don't discount that either. Well, I want to let you know that Ben C. Um, Pierre said thank you for all the tips in terms of the financing and the questions for the uh, finance stuff is really, uh, I think, uh, a question that most of us have who are in business. How can we get more money to make our business grow or to start our business but also to make our business grow? Okay. Well, 
well. I'm glad I was able to help him. Yeah. 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 And and he's a Long Islander, so you know we're right. we're attracting some of our local people to listen in. And we know with the internet, we're all over the place with our listening audience, and we like that. We like to have that diversity, um, and it's good. It's good. So now we. So Haru, if you could, Haru, um, before yeah. you know tonight, can you just uh, inbox me all of those sites you talked about, and I'll post sure. them in the Crete in the Keys group. Uh, James and I have been on. Actively in the um, the keys uh, in the keys group on the uh, event. So some of the stuff you've talked about, we've posted, and some of the questions that some our listeners had are also there. And just to let you all know, we're getting close to the closing hour, but all shows are archived on BlogTalkRadio.com, or you can listen via iTunes. And somebody asked me today, uh, James and Haru, how do I how do I do it? I said, well, you can you can connect your aux cable to your phone and listen in on your in the car while you're driving. And the sound, because this is such a crystal clear production, the sound comes in very clearly. You could take us anywhere you go, or just tune in on your phone. You can listen in on the internet, and that's enough of that for now. Let's go ahead and take it to marketing your business. And I guess Michael, if you're still listening. This is going to speak directly to you. Well, this is really, we kind of covered that um, a little earlier. You know, it, it's, it's going back again to, you know, who, who your demographic is and identifying that first, you know, and just choosing that best medium that's going to reach them most effectively. And, you know, again, I want to go back to it. We call it iteration, right? It, you have to test every little aspect of your marketing. And sometimes we don't do that. We don't, because it could be just one word. So, you know, even in, in creating the copy for your marketing, sometimes if you change one single word, it makes a difference. So you should also do what I call split testing on your marketing. So if you have, if you identified your, your demographic as, I don't know, millennials, and you decided to use an image, uh, you split your, your, your list in half. And one half of the list, you send one image. The other half, you send a different image with the same copy and see if there's a difference in the response. Um, and then, you know, once you fix that, then you might change a word or two in your headline and see if there's a difference in that. And then you change maybe a couple of things in your copy. So, you know, there's it, really a science, you know, to getting it right. Um, and then we have to understand, too, because we're, people are flooded with information, don't expect people to respond the first time. You know, usually it takes about seven times for somebody to be hit with the same information before they actually take action uh, and make sure that whatever uh, marketing you do has a call to action. It shouldn't just be here. Hey, this is my product. You know, it should be, this is my product. You need to get it now. Here's how you get it. Blah, blah, blah. You know, so uh, again, it goes back to figuring out exactly who your demographic is, how they like to receive information, um, you know, and then testing, testing, split testing, and testing and testing and testing, but test small. Don't invest a whole lot of money. Uh, you know, it used to be, oh, just buy these lists. You know, don't fall for that stuff. You know, you have to actually build that. You know, um, and it's important. Marketing is no no longer one way communication. Marketing should be the start of a conversation, mm. which means that you know when you put something out, you should be expecting feedback, not necessarily a direct sale. And then you get, right. you know, mm. that way you can, you know, modify your product or service because people want a hand in developing the, 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 their product or service today. They want a hand 
and shaping, you know, the, the method of delivery and the pricing. They want to hand it on that stuff. So, you know, make sure your, your marketing now is really creating an opportunity for feedback. Okay. Well, okay. Haru, before we um, close out this segment um, and this conversation about the, uh, the fi- uh, financial key, as we always say, you know, uh, we'll continue on and on because I think there are so many people out there that need advice and help. So we're going to continue this conversation. But, Rafiq, I think if we go to a, a commercial break and when we come back, Haru, be prepared to give um, the listening audience your contact information and anything that you might want to let them know about what's next and, and, and uh, what you might be doing soon in terms of uh, uh, other forums, let them know. And so let's go to commercial, come back, and we'll close out. Thank you so much. The Keys 107. We'll be right back. Fluff presents the alphabet is available on Amazon.com and on Kindle. So get your copy today. For more information, visit them online www.thefluffffamily.com. Now, 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 back to the keys. One oh seven with your host, Rafika and Brother Jay. <laughs> Fluff, love you. <laughs> Get your copy today on Amazon.com. Well, uh, since we've been on the show, Rafiq, I just want to let you know there have been a couple of folks who have visited our uh, Fluff's uh, website, and um, hopefully they made a purchase or two, but we appreciate you at least visiting and maybe have some interaction with us. So we thank you for for the Fluff's. Right, well, I'm glad, I'm glad you said that, James. Just a, just a quick um, update. We're going to have a very special announcement of a very special um, project that the Fluffs are getting ready to embark on. So stay tuned. As soon as we get all of the details ironed out, I'm going to just be so exuberant in explaining what my Fluffs are up to now. Haru, give out your yeah. contact information. Okay, they can go to on Facebook. They can go to Insiders Group Inc. Um, or you can email me at Haru H E R U at InsidersGroup.com, and that's also the website InsidersGroup.com. But I just want people to know I'm having a free workshop this Sunday um, in Brooklyn. And if you go to the Insiders Group page, you'll see the uh, event. You can just click on that, and you know, two and a half hours of tons of information on how to make money. And I'm going to do another one on the 25th, and I'm actually going to live stream that one. So those of you who are out of state, just go to the page, um, like the page, and I'll post uh, that one so you can attend that as well, uh, wherever you're at in the country. Wow, live stream, Haru. Yeah, Yeah. I'm going for it. (laughs) Making it happen. Making it happen. Use your technology, my friend. Yes. Okay. So so we hope that we have. uh, We hope that we have helped to fine-tune some of the thinking, um, help to fine-tune some of the ideas of the dream of owning and operating a home-based business here today. And this show is going to be archived on 
www.blogtalkradio.com slash thekeys107. You could tune in via iTunes, or you can go to our website. Yes, Haru, the website at <laughs> www.thekeys107network.com. I am your co-host, Rafika. Thank you so much for your time, Brother James. And this is Brother James, and thank you, um, all the listening audience. Thank you, Haru. You know, this is the Keys 107. You know, we open doors to endless possibilities in the pursuit of love, peace, and happiness. Good night, and y'all. If, if you if you want to suggest a topic for Haru to focus on dealing with the financial key, send us an email at suggestion at the keys one oh seven network dot com and Haru will be back October twentieth because he's here giving you advice, giving me advice, giving Brother James advice every third Thursday of the month. And we'd like to thank uh, Ernie J. Smith, South Africa's Pride and Joy, of whom you are listening to as we close this segment. Good night. You're listening to The Keys 107, opening the doors to endless possibilities in the pursuit of love, peace, and happiness with your host, Rafika. 
and Brother James.